This is a free download from Delancey Healing Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Healing Church building at the Banks and Councils in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyhealing.co.uk. ...who's talking today. So you'll see the quality of work that we provide through Lisa's uh, preaching today. <coughs> and, um, well... People often ask us, especially the kids, what does PACE stand for? It's P-A-C-E. There's one in the UK called PACE, and it's not that, it's PACE. So what we're going to do today is offer you the chance to gain this Kit Kat if you can come up with the correct uh, meaning for it. You're not allowed to take part. I've already disqualified you because you've seen the answers. Um, if you can guess what they stand for, or if you can come up with another funny alternative, okay? So I'm swayed either way. You can have two minutes to discuss it with your neighbour. What does P-A-C-E stand for? Practical alternative to Christian education. So we're bringing an alternative education to that that the teachers do. Interesting. Practical assistance in Christian education. Interesting. Any other suggestions at the back? Sorry? Well, that's a really, really interesting one. (laughs) Any others? You can have a moment to discuss. You don't have to. Okay. Any other options? I don't know who to give the chocolate bar to. I usually make the other person I'm with give it away. Uh, Lisa, you can decide. (laughs) Okay, well done. It's practical assistance in Christian education. Well, at least she's honest. At least she's honest. There you go. You've made everybody laugh. Well done. Okay. Well, I realised yesterday, uh, after finding out that our video would not be available today, that uh, PACE actually can stand for something else. And Lisa will be surprised to hear this because she has no idea. And so I'm going to talk you through what we do using the letters. First, there is the letter P. So I'll just move it across. To the next slide. Prayer spaces! Okay, so uh, once or twice a term we get invited into a school to take over a room and we try and make it look completely not like the room at all, cover it in sheets and uh, take away all the classroomness about it and we set up various stations to encourage children to think and to pray. So there's thank you stations, there's sorry stations, there's uh, pleases, there's questions, there's lots of thought-provoking stuff, and we hope that it encourages children to have the opportunity to pray as well. And I often say a prayer with the children, and then if they want to, they can take part in that as well. So first, prayer spaces, and you can see we've got some Christmas-orientated ones, and we've got some summary ones. So we try and fit it around what the school wants of us. So that's prayer spaces. Assemblies! Now this is the majority of our work and we've been doing this for many years. We do it in both primary and secondary schools. Primary schools we usually go in once a month 
And we do it in many different ways. There are spies that go in, there's uh, superheroes that go in, there's puppets, and then there's regular different ways of doing it as well, whether it's storytelling with acting or word responses. We just try and keep it as varied as possible and as fun as possible and, you know, so that they can have something that they can take away with it, a moral message. So those are all representing the primary assemblies. But actually, we do a lot of secondary assemblies as well. We go in at least once a term, and we usually show maybe a, a clip or do an illustration, because the, the students don't like to get involved as much as primary students do. Uh, but we try and make it as interactive and challenging as possible for those teenagers. And so we go in to see them as well. The next bit of work that we do is clubs. We have a bolt club, which is for year six students, and we go in once a week for 12 weeks, and we present to them games and one-to-one -one challenges and a leader's challenge where we have to present um, a bolt of truth to them. We start off that God created the world. Then we go into God loves you. God made you unique and special. God has big plans for your life. And each week we take them something that the world does not usually tell them. And then in secondary schools, we have drop-in clubs, and they are once a week throughout the whole year. And it can be for year sevens up to year elevens. It depends on who wants to come and hang out with us. There's games, and there's uh, sometimes video clips, there's talks, uh, there's all sorts of stuff going on. We just generally try and hang out with the students and show them that we can be normal and that we can relate to them. We also offer lemonade and sweets, which they love, okay, and can't get enough of. They usually try and bribe us for more lemonade, uh, and uh, we sometimes give it. Uh, so, yes, that is clubs, and that is another main piece of our work. And then finally... Explorer. It doesn't quite count because it's Bible Explorer, but I thought I'd give it a go anyway. And uh, we go into some schools alongside a team of other people in the island, such as Phil Baskerville, Sula Freak from Trinity, and Roger and Bev from Cattell Church. And we all do different lessons. At the moment, I'm teaching lessons of New Testament as well as Old Testament. And you end up with crazy pictures like this trying to help you remember what the books are about or who wrote the books. But we use storytelling techniques, sometimes illustrations with food, making it all gloopy and stuff like that. And uh, we just try and make it as varied and fun. And I found it a couple of weeks ago that our teaching has been so good, not that I'm bigging ourselves up or anything, that we've been recommended to a year three uh, teacher because she wants to have RE lessons with us as well, so we have to consider whether we can do that. But it's good to know that the students are all enjoying it. And at the, at the end of each story, we give them a crazy hand sign to help them remember it. So we've got like creation, full, flood, nations, 4,000 years ago, oh, is where Abraham started over there. And uh, we go through five weeks' worth of lessons and end up with over 77 hand signs. So it's very exciting. I enjoy doing it, but it's very draining at the same time. And there are other things that we do, but these four things are the, the most of, of our work, really. So uh, I thought I'd do today a quick challenge. I did it last week, 
uh, in Aldad. So I'm going to do it here as well. Okay. I'm going to just move this across because I've realised that you'll see me in the window. And I have to apologise. The sheet is not as good as last week. We did a demonstration of Holy Communion and lesson the other day and unfortunately the sheet took the brunt of the wine. So, we've got a different sheet today. Can I have two volunteers? Okay, you can come up, you can come and represent the guys and so we need a girl as well, a female. Anybody? Mr Cooper, is that your hand up? I thought I saw it up, yeah. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to see if you can beat the people of Eldad. Let's fight it out between the Elims, okay? And... um, I'm going to be behind the sheet, and one of you at a time is going to have 30 seconds to find the light on the sheet. When you touch the light, I will move the light. Okay? So it's like a... Okay. Is there somebody here who has a timer that can do 30 seconds? Well done, Lisa. Well prepared. No. It's one at a time. So who do you want to go first? Ladies first. Okay, I will start when I hear Lisa's voice. So I've just got to hit the dot, yeah? Yeah, and then I'll move in. Okay. I think that was 31, which was uh, two more than Eldad. Well done for both boys and girls. So let's see if you, the slightly younger one, can do it a bit faster, or if the ladies are going to take it today. Come on. Okay, ready? Well done. But I got you to go much lower down. So I I guess you might be wondering why am I getting people to press lights on a sheet that may fall over? And the question is, well, I was trying to get them to find the light. Okay? And last week I spoke about, in in Eldad, about Jesus uh, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have eternal life. And there's so many things that you can take away from that. The fact that Jesus offers to be light and hope in our lives, especially when there are times of darkness. He will show us the way, and he will help us to find the way. Next, he offers eternal life. He offers it to anybody. It's not just a few people. I am the light of the world. It's everyone. He offers it to us all. But also, I want us to think today. You know, the wise men, they followed a star, a light, to find the light of the world. And actually, I think this is a lot about what Pace are currently doing. We're trying to be the star that that leads the way to Jesus and leads the students to light because they may not see that light at any other time in school and whether it's just to be there to help them get through a time or whether it's to help them find their own faith at some point in their life then that is what the thing that we hold on to and the thing that we strive to do to give them the opportunity to meet Jesus at some point in their life so the question is in what ways can people of Delancey get involved with what we're doing Firstly, prayer. We recognise prayer is hugely important to what we do and that we need it to keep our work going. So once every few months I'll be sending prayer requests to John 
and he can distribute it to the church to say, uh, Pace need a new schools worker. Pace need students to be better behaved at the moment. Pace need this. Pace need that. And you can get involved and pray in that way. Another thing you could do is sign up to our uh, volunteers uh, network. We have a few people that give their time, whether it's doing something in the evening to help us cut something out, or it could be actually coming to our clubs or to our lessons and helping us with that. We have a few people that do do that, and we would like to see that increase at some point. Another way is to join onto our supporters network. We have um, a new sheet that goes out once a term, and uh, we would love to add you to it so you can see the work that we do. Okay, well, good morning. It's great to be here with you. Like John said, I'm doing a theology degree, and one of my modules was core communications. And at the time, it seemed like a really good idea to be able to work on my communication skills. And then I found out, oh, we have to do a talk, we have to do a preach. So that is why I'm here this morning. So, to start off, I have a question. Who here loves food? Okay, you put your hands up, you're in trouble. I have an activity to start off this morning. Okay, I need some children and I need some adults to come up and take part in an activity which involves eating cream crackers. Okay, you're going to have 50 seconds to eat as many cream crackers as you can. You will not be able to eat or drink anything else whilst doing this. Okay, and you'll only be able to eat one at a time. So, we've already got the children, they've come down especially, so come on down. One of you will be eating the crackers and one of you will be counting how many um, they will be eaten. So, do we have a, an adult willing to take on these two boys? Anybody? Steph? Steph. <laughs> Steph. Do we, do we have a volunteer? <laughs> come on down, Steph. Let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> Okay, so this does have a point, trust me. So you are going to have 50 seconds on your clock. So here are your crackers for you to drink after. So Angie, can you count how many he eats? (laughs) One at a time. (laughs) Here are your crackers, John, okay? And you're going to count how many that... John is able to eat. Okay, and if we have this side of the room cheering for the kids and we have this side of the room cheering for Steph, they're really going to need your support as they have to persist on in this challenge. Okay, so three, two, one, go. (laughs) Come on. Okay, keep going. (laughs) And just to say, there are sweets available to encourage you. (laughs) Come on. Okay, you have nine seconds left. Okay, time is up. 
How many did you eat? Two. Steph, how many did you eat? Two and a little bit. Oh, so Steph just just had it then. So, <laughs> but I think I think the kids did really well. So we'll give them the sweets anyway. <laughs> you can head back up if you want. You can have a drink. So thank you very much for taking part. Go on, over you go. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. So what was the point in that? Well, maybe Steph, as the adult, was thinking, well, my pride is at stake here. If I lose, I'll never hear the end of it. These kids are not going to stop going on about it. And maybe for, for John, the child, he was thinking, well, if I win, I'm going to be seen as the hero, you know, taking down the adult. But as the stuffing of crackers goes on, as the eating of crackers goes on, and their mouths become drier, it becomes maybe a battle of the mind to persist on through. And maybe actually it's those thoughts of, oh, my pride, oh, being a hero is what gets them through the challenge. This is just a trivial example of what it is I want to talk to you about this morning. Persisting on through when life gets difficult, when life gets hard, we have to carry on persisting through unjust situations. To our participants in the game, it was important for them to persist on through in order to win despite the ache of a dry mouth. As I was preparing and thinking about being persistent, I was reminded about how we as a church have been persistent in taking a stand against human trafficking. We as a church have taken on the responsibility of raising awareness, of raising money and of praying for those who are trapped in this industry. But for me, it's taken me a step further to get involved with a local charity called Protect. And I'm going to be part of a team going into schools to raise awareness of human trafficking for students so that they can know the dangers of this. And as we've been planning our lessons and as we've been planning other talks, I came across a story of a lady called Denise, and it really has stuck with me. Denise's story is how she met a boy. She fell in love, and it was really a beautiful romance. But she says during her interview, she had promised herself that she would never be that silly. She would never be that foolish to fall for someone who could ever use and abuse her. But unfortunately, she did. As soon as they moved in together, the man, the boy, started saying they were having financial difficulties. And that actually, you know, to pay off the debt, to pay off the bills, to pay off the rent, maybe that she could sell her body in order to have the funds to cover the cost. And at first she did it because out of love, out of an unconditional love for this man, she just felt, yes, I'll do anything for you. But as it went on, the longer it went on for, the more broken she became and her freedom to live a normal life was taken away from her. Many women who are groomed into these situations often have their freedom taken away from them very, very quickly. Now, Denise is now a free woman and has been for nearly 10 years, and she now has a family and children. 
But I want to encourage you this morning. It's because of people standing up and saying that actually this is not okay and persisting on in the battle against human trafficking like we have as a church that actually people like Denise can be set free. So what about in our day-to-day lives? What are the injustices maybe that we face, that we find difficult, that we find hard? Maybe at the moment we're going through a difficult time. Maybe at home, maybe with our families, maybe with our friends, maybe at work, maybe in our studies. There could be all kinds of struggles that we find ourselves facing. And maybe, uh, right now, I'd just like you to take a moment to think about a, different, a difficulty that you might be facing, a hard time that maybe you've heard about that a friend is facing, and just take a moment just to think of what we need to do to maybe persist on in those situations. So just take a moment to think about that. Okay, well, this morning, I want to talk to you about this idea of persisting on through difficult times, through injustice. God doesn't ever promise us a perfect life, but he promises us to be with us every step of the journey. On that note, I want to turn to the Bible and the passage I want to look at this morning. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to follow along, it's Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8, and it's the parable of the persistent widow. And it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city. He kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I've been doing a lot of studying and reading of this parable and had teaching on this parable in the past. And the thing that people often bring out of it is just keep praying, continue praying, don't stop praying. And I agree, prayer is important. But as I've been reading and studying, it struck me that it's not about asking and asking until we get what we want, but it's about asking and asking for justice and appealing to the very character of God himself when we pray. And I'll come back to this point. So the first verse of this parable sets the scene of what it's about. It's about not losing hearts and not losing hope. This parable actually comes at the later stages of Jesus travelling to Jerusalem. And it could be that the disciples are getting anxious, they're getting nervous about what could happen when they get to Jerusalem. They've faced persecution in many different areas. And so what's it going to be like when they get to the capital, to Jerusalem? So Jesus could be telling this parable in order to encourage them not to lose heart, not to lose hope, but actually to stand firm and persist on in their faith and in prayer. 
maybe thinking back to our situations, our circumstances that we're finding ourselves in. Maybe we feel like we're coming to the climax of our journey, our struggle. And maybe we can look to this parable and see encouragement that if Jesus had to encourage the disciples, then we can be encouraged too. There are two main characters in this parable. We have the judge and we have the widow. The judge, we're told, is someone who neither fears man nor respects God. He is unjust. He's not caring. He's not bothered about anyone else. It's probable that actually people would have had to have paid a large sum of money to him, to bribe him, to actually get the justice that they so longed for. They would have to pay for the justice that should have been freely given to them, but wasn't. And for the widow, we're told, all we're told about her is that she goes to the judge to, so that he can grant her justice against her adversary, against her enemy, the person who's doing wrong. Well, in those days, um, widows would have been looked down on in society. They would have had a very low status. They wouldn't have been given the husband's estate. Women weren't allowed to own houses, would you believe? And actually, the person who inherited the estate, therefore inherits this widow. So, she would have been left on this estate. And she wouldn't have gone back to her family because the money that would have been exchanged at the wedding would have to have been paid back. So she was a little on her own, really, and she's gone from being the master's wife to the lowest of the low, to the point where actually widows could often be sold as slaves in order to pay off debts from people. That's how far they fall when their husband died. So from history, we see that whatever circumstance this widow was in, it wasn't looking good. And we're told that the widow goes persistently to the judge. So she goes to him, she pleads with him, she wants her justice, and she's told no. She gets knocked down. She goes to him again, pleading, please give me my justice. But she gets knocked down, she gets told no. But she realises that actually her justice, her thing that she so wants, is worth persisting in. So she keeps going, even though she gets knocked down. And she keeps going, even though she gets knocked down. Maybe you can relate to this in situations that you're facing or have faced. That every time you take the step to get back up again, and every time you get knocked down... You're struggling, but you're like, no, this is worth it. It's worth persisting. It's worth getting to that point where I know my justice is worth getting there. So you keep going. One day, the judge finally decides, right, I'm going to give you what you've been asking for. He finally says, yes, I'm going to give you what you're asking for. And he doesn't give it out of love or because he feels compassion for this lady. He gives it because he's sick and tired of this woman coming to him. This woman that's probably driving a little bit crazy, that actually has been nagging him so much, he decides, okay, just leave me alone. I'll give you your justice. And the words actually used to beat me down or to wear out, as it says in other translations of the story, has many interpretations. 
one of these things from the Greek, and it means to strike. And actually, I'm not thinking this widow, you know, squares up to this judge and goes, right, I'm going to take you on, I'm going to give you a punch. I don't think that's what it's saying at all. But I think it's a metaphorical thing, a striking that actually she's going to make this judge look really bad in public if he continues to say no to this poor, innocent widow. So out of this frustration and anger, he decides to give in. People often look to this parable and say, well, if an unjust judge can eventually give in and give justice and grant justice, how much more will God give? God, who is a God of love and a God of compassion, being compared to a judge who wasn't really bothered and only gave in because of a nagging woman. Maybe this is your perception of God. Maybe you think God is someone who's not bothered, someone who doesn't really care about our situations or circumstances, someone that actually is way, way out there and he's not actually involved with our day-to-day lives. Maybe you think God gets tired of us and frustrated with us. Well, I'm here to tell you today that actually when we persist on and when we struggle through and actually when we complain and we moan and we cry out to God in our difficulties, he's there and he's with us and he loves us. And he is fully aware of our circumstances. And he is fully aware of the difficulties that we are facing. And he fully understands what we are going through. Because when Jesus was on earth, when Jesus was here, he experienced the ultimate injustice. Because he died even though he was innocent. He experienced the ultimate injustice, the ultimate way to have to persist on when life got difficult and life got hard. So he completely gets it when we find things hard and difficult. The chapter moves on to say, will God not give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give to them justice speedily. What it might be saying here is then if an unjust judge can grant justice, how much more quickly will God grant it? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, God is like a fairy godmother who grants all our wishes because I really don't think that's true. Sometimes our justice, sometimes what we're wanting and waiting for can take a really long time. For humans on earth, justice might seem like it takes a really long time. Yet what we need to remember is that justice has already been won for us through what Jesus has done on the cross. And when he comes back, he's going to be looking for those who clung to him when life got hard and life got difficult and when we persisted through those difficult times. Because all the wrong things that we have had done to us and all the wrong things that we have ever done Jesus has already dealt with it. Jesus has already made a way for it to be okay. He has already brought the justice through what his sacrifice was on the cross. And we are living in a time where his glory is here with us. 
but we have not yet seen the full extent of that. So, going back to the disciples, this passage was to encourage them not to lose hope. And for us, it's a reminder that we should keep coming back to him and that we should keep coming back to him and crying out to him in our times of need. You see, God is the ultimate good judge. When injustice persists in our lives, our faithfulness lies in continuing to believe that God is just and can be appealed to. I was at Soul Survivor, which is a youth camp in the summer, and I went to a seminar led by Open Doors. And they're a charity that work with the persecuted church and persecuted Christians. And they were talking a lot about how, um, you know, the injustices that Christians face in different parts of the world. And their stories that they were sharing, some of them were really harrowing, really hard to hear that actually what people go through because of their faith, but actually they do it and they persist on in that um, injustice. And it was really quite inspiring to hear At the end of the seminar, they encouraged us to write a letter to people who were facing injustice, who were facing difficult times of persecution. And so we decided to write to a deacon of a church in Iran who had been arrested and beaten, but actually no charges had been filed against him. It was just because he was a Christian and they thought that they can do that. And although we don't know the outcome of his story... As far as I'm aware, when I looked into it, he's still being held captive. But all of this was not a reminder to me that we are so fortunate here that we can worship and practice our faith so freely and so openly. And it's good to encourage those who don't have this freedom. So what do we do? How do we persist on in our faith, in our lives, in our difficulties? Well... This parable is all about prayer, and so we can be encouraged to pray. And when we pray, we remember that we long, what we long for has already been won through what Jesus has done on the cross. And our prayers carry weight because Jesus has already conquered the injustice and won the ultimate victory over evil. And what we long to see is his resurrection power in our, in our day-to-day lives, in our situations. And we have the authority to use that power when we pray because of what Jesus has done for us. Sometimes words may fail us. When we were asked to write these letters, I was a bit stuck as to where to start and what to say. What do you say to someone when they're facing so much injustice, so much difficulty. And they said, well, you turn to the Bible. So maybe today, if we're struggling to know what to say or where to go, or in our prayers, we're struggling to actually find the words, we too can turn to the Bible. We too can turn to the Psalms, where we see the writers crying out to God in their difficulty and their not understanding and we can use their words we can use what they went through and use that to pray in our situations and use those words to encourage other people this parable was was written down 
so that it could be passed on to other believers in the future to encourage them to fight when it became hard and to persist on when life got difficult. Perhaps one thing that we can do is write down our stories, write down our stories of persistence. And actually, we can look back and see the journey that we've been on, how we might have started in A, but actually how we've come to B. And see actually how God has moved and worked through that situation and used it for his goodness and his glory. And actually, we can use those stories to help other people, to encourage other people. And we can see, actually, how far we have come. And another thing we can do is we can support charities. We can support organisations who are fighting injustice on a global scale. Like I've already mentioned, Open Doors, a great charity working and helping the persecuted church. And also, us as a church, we can continue to support Be Free Cambodia. We can continue to support Protect and other organisations fighting human trafficking. Maybe you have an organisation that you support in their fight in persistence to help other people. And the final thing that stands out for me from this parable is that the widow, she had no other option. If she wasn't granted her justice by this judge, she was at the hands of the people who were being unjust, at the hands of her enemy. Therefore, her persistence was fueled by her need to see justice prevail, her need to see what she needed to happen come true. She was so passionate about it that actually it took anything. She would do anything to get it. Which leads to the writer's final remarks. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That question is so challenging to hear. But the challenge is to take up our personal responsibility. When we are faced with situations that we need to persist on in, which seem so unjust, we need to choose to make the right decision on to follow our conscience maybe, and pray that the Holy Spirit will use us to have a powerful influence on others around. We need to have an awareness of people who have no guarantee of security or fairness, who are downtrodden and persecuted. We can show solidarity with them by trying to bring hope and encouragement and making a stand for their freedom from oppression. We need to be on our guard. We need to be waiting for when Jesus returns. And actually, in taking on this challenge of personal responsibility, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on earth because we have been faithful. I'm going to invite the worship band to come up. And I just wanted to say, if you have any questions or if you'd like to talk further about what I've spoken about this morning, please come and grab me and um, we'll have a chat after the service. We're going to sing a song called Oceans, and it's a really powerful song. It's a great song. And one of the lyrics reads, When oceans rise, I will rest in your embrace. Whatever ocean you might be facing, whatever difficulty you might be facing, know that you can rest in God's amazing embrace.
when injustice prevails, appeal to God, rest in him, and for he is the ultimate good judge, and he wants us to persist in seeking him. Thank, Thank you. you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk. 